Hi, I'm Marlon Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I've got another episode of the podcast for you guys. Um, this episode is going to be a fair uh, few call-ins. I've got a number of call-ins from people who have listened to the show, um, some of them older, some of them newer. Um, basically, I'm going to play all of those call-ins and respond to them as I do in call-in shows. And then after responding to the call-ins, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about the, um, the sort of projects that I am working on that are related to RPGs, but that aren't related to or aren't specifically for the purpose of um, generating content for my, um, YouTube channel or podcast. Basically, um, what I'm saying is that I'm, I've, I've been thinking about a number of these kind of projects, um, you know, game campaign ideas that I want to work on and kind of even some sort of design stuff that I'm thinking about. And I've, I've, uh, I'm working at being a lot more organized about that sort of stuff. And that one of the elements of that, I think, is to, to talk about that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, it, it, let you guys know that that's stuff that I'm thinking about in case you want to, you know, be involved in any of that, or even if you just find it interesting. And then also that for me, it's useful to talk about that sort of stuff um, because I, uh, you know, it, it can help me to kind of think through what I want to do with a project to try to explain the purpose of a project to somebody else or even just to my microphone the way I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, that's what this episode is going to be. Call-ins and um, non-content projects. I'm hoping to have it be a fair bit shorter than last episode, um, but obviously I haven't recorded the whole thing, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah. Um, let's get on to the call-ins. Hey, Arlen Jason here. Enjoyed your latest episode. Looking forward to hearing you do your overview of the two-hour war games rules. And definitely also looking forward to hearing you talk about it after you played it. So take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right. So that was my buddy Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Who, if you're not listening to his podcast, um, you should because it's a it's an excellent podcast. He does a lot of really cool content. Um, does I think a much better job than me of kind of um, keeping his his finger on the pulse in terms of kind of the discussion and um, getting people to sort of present interesting ideas and stuff like that um, beyond his own. Whereas I basically, my podcast is aside from the kind of interview episodes is mostly just kind of my own ideas. Anyway, um, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, great stuff. You guys should go check it out if you haven't already. Um, that call-in was from a number of weeks ago, specifically late November, 2021. Um, so, A, I'm sorry that I haven't gotten around to that stuff, Jason, yet. Um, I, uh, as, as anybody who's keeping up with the podcast um, knows, I, was, uh, I did not publish anything for about two months there um, and have just sort of recently gotten back into putting stuff on the podcast. Um, 
and I, I certainly haven't done anything with any of those two hour war games games. So I guess, um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, hopefully I will, uh, get into that at some point, but, um, we'll, we'll have to play it by ear. All right. And next we have another call in. Hey, Orland, it's Amy Lee. Just wanted to call in and wish you Merry Christmas from Carla and I from San Antonio. All right, that was Amy Lee Rodriguez, the uh, host of the Geomologist Presents podcast, who often lets her husband, Carl, do most of the talking on that podcast. But um, Amy and Carl are both really wonderful people and great friends of mine. Um, obviously that was also from a while ago because it was a Merry Christmas wish, but, uh, thank you so much. Um, both of you, Amy and Carl, um, and, uh, for, for all that you guys do within the community, it's been great fun to get to play with both of you. I haven't gotten to play with Amy as much, um, but she's wonderful. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been really cool. So thank you for the Christmas wishes. Um, and, uh, we'll be on to a call in from Amy's husband, Carl. Hey, if you were sent back to Sengoku, Japan as Ninja Turtles, everyone, everyone would think you're a monster, like a kappa and try to kill you, I think. Right. So you'd be fighting all these party parties of NPC adventurers looking to kill you, get the XP, and take your loot. That's what I think. Hey, Arlen, that discussion about languages sounds really uh, very fascinating, especially, like, I'd be excited when you discuss or you talk about, like, was there, were there really historical common languages, uh, Greek, Latin, um, French, English, any Danish languages? I don't know, but it'd be pretty cool to understand that or see if that were true. Um, and definitely about the secret languages, Druidic. I mean, it's kind of making me, for maybe some Roman games or just my own edification, was there a secret Druidic language, the origin of... I know I'd heard that they had written Ogon, but then I've also heard that they didn't have a written language as all, all oral tradition. Maybe you can discuss that. And then how do those translate into RPG and literature of secret languages? and secret runes and all that kind of stuff. So that'd be pretty cool, I think. Um, awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Two call-ins from my buddy Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents podcast. Check out his podcast if you have not already, because um, it's great. Um, yeah, so TMNT has monsters. I think that would be an interesting thing, because it, it's true that they look like, uh, you know, monstrous demonic creatures and stuff but you could also do it kind of the other way where you know it's it um i can't remember who it was who talked about the idea of the 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 sacred and the profane as two um sides of the same coin essentially the idea that the the sacred as well as the um inherently uh uh kind of anti-sacred being both at a divide at a similar divide from sort of the norm for lack of a better term. So you could, you could maybe do it so that like, you know, the, the turtles are demons to some people, but they're like demigods to other people because they're, you know, so different, um, which would be kind of an interesting 
campaign concept, I think, to have like every NPC have a really strong reaction to the player characters that is either kind of strongly positive or strongly negative on that basis. So I don't know. I think that might be interesting. And yeah, the language thing I think is going to be really cool. Um, there's a lot of that sort of, a lot of what you, you mentioned um, being interested in is what I'm really interested in. Um, ideas about, you know, the common language. And in particular, I think there's some really interesting stuff to talk about, about just how widespread some of these languages that were sort of used as historical common actually were. Um, because there's obviously, um, in the ancient and medieval worlds, there was not really the kind of like large scale, um, data collection that we have today. Right. So they couldn't really perform, right. The Roman empire couldn't really perform like a, a complete census of every person who lived within the boundaries of the empire and what language did they speak and how well did they speak it and all that sort of stuff. Right. And even if they could have done that, we don't have that data surviving. So we're, we're kind of stuck in some ways with some anecdotal evidence to talk about that sort of stuff. But I think there is some really interesting, um, stuff to talk about related to that just based on what the anecdotal evidence that we have suggests and the same way with the secret languages my remembrance without having done a whole lot of research on it recently is that um the the roman historians themselves record that druidic was a secret language among the uh the celts but that we don't have any kind of celtic sources that exactly say that. So it's unclear to what degree, for instance, Druidic might have been secret from the Romans, but known among the uh, the sort of Celtic population of uh, Gaul, France, and and Britain, um, which would be kind of an interesting thing to to talk about too. Um, but we'll get into all of that sort of stuff. Really glad you're excited about that sort of stuff. I am excited about it too which is why I'm going to work on doing doing episodes about that. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about um, languages in history and in RPGs. And we have another call in from Jason now. So let's give it up for Jason. Hey, Arlen, Jason here. So I listened to your latest episode and yeah, I look forward to your upcoming projects. Don't know that I have a whole lot to add to that, to those projects, but I look forward to seeing how they develop. And, you know, as far as the other thing, you have to do what's best for you. And, you know, sometimes people don't know have, people don't have to know everything. It's okay. So hang in there, and I hope to get in a game with you again at some point, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, so that's, again, my buddy Jason Connerly who um, is a good friend of mine. We haven't been able to play games together as much recently, unfortunately, but um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure out a time sometime soon, Jason, to at least do, you know, maybe like a, like an ICRPG one shot or something fun. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I hope that you at least enjoy the, uh, the projects that I'm talking about, even if you don't feel like you have necessarily a lot to contribute to those uh episodes um i totally understand what i'm what i am going for is in some ways a a little bit more of a kind of um 
academic perspective than what my podcast has been recently, sort of closer to what my podcast was early on and less like what my podcast has been recently, um, where I have more kind of discussion of specific sources and more of a kind of, um, yeah, more, more like a, um, more like reading an essay to the audience than like just sort of chatting through something in some ways. Although I still want to, it to be fairly conversational and um, I still want to have it be totally accessible to anybody who is interested. Um, but I think it's possible to blend those two in a way that um, is, is valuable. So that's sort of what I'm going for. And um, yeah, thanks for uh, your support, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Good morning, Arlen. This is Taylor of Clerixway Ringmail calling in, having listened to your last episode. I don't know the details of the Dungeon Musings situation, so I guess I don't know who I am, but I respect that it's not my business, so I will not pry. I am kind of sad that your experience had soured, but I am excited, which is the reason for the call, about the new projects that you're talking about working on. In particular, community, play, and actual plays I'm passionate about, and I'm curious to see where you go. I do hope to collaborate with you at some point in the future. In particular, I remember we had had some good conversations about alignment, its role in literature, in game, and its evolution over time, but it's a busy, busy life over on this side, too, so it may be some time before I can make anything of it. In the meantime, what I will pass along with OpenShot, uh, that's the same program that I use to transcribe my podcasts into viewable YouTube. The only thing I would advise, make sure to set the bitrate in the advanced audio options when you do the export. By default, for some reason, OpenShot just sets you up to Blu-ray DVD quality on that logo and audio, and so a 20-30 minute conversation will turn into 10 gigabytes on your hard disk. So I set mine to two. Either way, looking forward to seeing what you produce. Peace out, man, and delve on. All right, my buddy Taylor of the Clerics Wear Ringmail. Um, originally blog, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was originally a blog. And then he also has an audio podcast on Anchor and then a YouTube channel. Um, my understanding is that basically all of his YouTube content is um, is is the same content as his, his audio podcast on Anchor, just with a static image and then a kind of waveform thing for the audio in the background that is pretty cool. And I uh, reached out to him actually today about how he creates those videos because I'm talking about doing something uh, similar for my YouTube channel, taking taking some of the podcast content and putting it on the YouTube channel uh, more consistently. Um, and his system is, um, even though we haven't gone into a whole lot of detail, he was able to, to for those of you who don't know, Taylor is uh, very busy with uh, both two young children and a, a very pregnant wife. So he's got a lot on his plate, um, which is, you know, I totally understand that we are not likely to have our chat 
about the nature of alignment in, in literature and games anytime super soon, Taylor. But uh, if you get a free a free hour or two at some point, we should definitely figure out how to try to make that happen. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying, um, Taylor was able to send me the uh, the the editor that he uses, the video editor, which is um, called OpenShot, which is uh, totally free and you can download it yourself. And I took a look at it and found a couple tutorials online and um, it is definitely going to be a much better solution than um, what I was doing in terms of um, putting audio over uh, a static image or or even a, a simple slideshow or something. My old system was to go into Windows Movie Maker, um, which I, I used to use many years ago a little bit. And then it's it wasn't very good then and it's not very good now, in my opinion, as a video editing program. Um, and what you could do is you could uh, add an import an image to the program, set it to display for a certain amount of time and add a background track to that image and then export that as a um, video file with whatever parameters are appropriate for your video file. There were some kind of funky things about that. In particular, um, the duration of any image, at least on the version of Windows Movie Maker that I was using was in a... Um, uh, total number of seconds. So I would have to, you know, go in and calculate how long the audio track I wanted to use was in seconds and then set the duration to that and then add the audio track to that and um, then export it all. And, and the, one of the other limitations too was that I couldn't do anything like that with um, multiple images so if i wanted to like slow show a, a slideshow or something there wasn't any way to do that in windows movie maker so i think OpenShot is going to be a much better solution for me um i think it's gonna gonna work well um, i'm hoping to talk to taylor a little bit more about his kind of um specific process for um doing all that sort of stuff um because i i find it great i find it very useful often to talk to people who have done you know the sort of stuff that i want to do about their process for doing that sort of stuff um but anyway thank you so much for calling in taylor um yeah the i i'm sorry about the the sort of general situation with regard to the the dungeon musings stuff too um i wish that i felt differently about it um but I think this is sort of the the best solution going forward for everybody, basically, which is uh, unfortunate, but it happens, right? It's, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world by any means. I'm still going to be doing my stuff, and everybody else involved is still going to be doing their stuff, and that's cool. Um, it's just going to have a little bit. It's just going to be a little bit different going forward um, for uh, me, at least. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about all of these kind of different projects that I, um, talked about last time in episode, uh, 3.6. Yeah. 3.6, which is just season three, episode six, because at one point I decided that I should start season three, um, after about a month break between, um, the end of season two and, and getting back into it. And then I decided that 
four episodes was not enough for season three. So I didn't start a new season getting back into it again. But anyway, basically, um, anybody who uh, wants to hear more about what Taylor is talking about here and what um, Jason talked about in his previous call-in and what Carl talked about in his call-ins is welcome to go back and listen to episode 3.6, the, the episode before this one, um, where I talk a lot about the sort of projects that I am interested in working on in terms of creating um, sort of more focused content for the YouTube channel and the podcast, as well as talk a little bit about kind of what's going on in my um, involvement in the, uh, the the hobby at large. So um, yeah, anybody who's interested can go check out that episode. I think I uh, don't need to to go over it again here because um, I did a better job of talking about it there. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, now we are going to talk about some of the other projects that I am kind of working on or thinking about um, related to the RPG hobby. So let's get into that. All right, so what sort of stuff have I been thinking about in terms of uh, gaming projects? Um, there's sort of two, well, there's sort of three categories, two of which I'm going to talk about today and one of which I talked about um, last time, which is there's, there's sort of one larger category that is um, things that I want to create for the purpose of uh, creating and sharing content on my podcast and my YouTube channel. Um, and that's the sort of four things that I identified last time, that being um, adapting non-RPG content to RPGs, um, getting into RPG subcultures, um, talking about RPGs and um, language, and um, changing the uh, the the way that I make content to include um, more specific call outs for kind of player oriented and GM oriented content. Um, those are sort of the four big things. And um, to some degree, um, some of them are more kind of a more uh, some of them are likely to be um, more like a short series some of them are likely to be more like a long series and some of them are likely to be more of kind of a a, a change to the way that i do my other series going forward right those are kind of the uh the, the, the sort of different ways of things that I'm going to do um, is, is part of what I'm thinking about. Anyway, basically what I'm saying is that that's sort of the stuff that last episode was about, or at least the first half of it. Um, the other hobby-related stuff that I'm thinking about generally falls into um, two kind of broad categories, and one is essentially... Um, design and the other is essentially um, material to be played and there's obviously some overlap between the two um, that you know if, if I end up you know designing content I want to get that to the table right the the purpose for me of designing that content is often to um, help structure my um, play at the table that um, I want to have 
that sort of those elements and then you know play at the table also kind of feeds back into the design stuff because you know coming up with a a campaign is in some ways um you know certainly it, it has some um relationship to like you know writing a, a module or something like that um obviously they're not entirely they're not exactly the same by any means but i think you know it's fair to say that there's some relationship there anyway um so I wanted to talk about projects in those terms. Um, so in terms of designing RPG content, the big thing that I'm working on right now is a, um, a document that I am writing that has to do with essentially adapting um, content from other systems, um, especially um, kind of mechanical content from other systems to ICRPG or index card RPG. Um, ICRPG is a system that, um, was originally and still continues to be designed by a guy named Hankerin Fernale. Hankerin has a YouTube channel called Runehammer. It was originally called Drunkens and Dragons, but now it's called Runehammer. Um, and his his company is Runehammer Games, which is if you go onto DriveThruRPG and search for ICRPG Runehammer Games, you'll find a PDF copy of the game that I'm talking about. He has a couple of other games that he has designed um all of all of them are really interesting and he um my understanding is that by trade he is a um an artist that that most of what he does to, to pay the bills essentially is that he does uh visual art um and as a result the visual art in all of his rpg books are is awesome right that um he, he does all the art for the um, different ICRP, the different versions of ICRPG have all had a bunch of his art. So there was um, a first edition that I never got into, a second edition that is where I started, and then there is a new version called the Master Edition that is the the biggest ICRPG book yet. Um, PDF copies can be gotten through Drive Through RPG from Runehammer Games, um, but also if you want to get a um a physical copy i don't think there are any physical um whatchamacallit i don't think that physical copies are available yet anywhere they may be in certain places but um, physical copies for icrpg master edition are being produced by modifius the um, british publisher of games and and they they design their own games and also publish some other people's games and um basically they have picked up uh Runehammer's ICRPG and are publishing print copies of ICRPG Master Edition. Every time I check their US web store, it says that copies are coming soon, but they're not here yet. So um, I don't know if you can get a physical copy of Master Edition in the US um, yet, but um, if you're interested, you can get a PDF to read through now. I think that if you pre-order a physical copy from Modifius, they give you the PDF right away. Um, that's my understanding with all of their books. So um, 
if you're looking for a physical copy and a PDF, you can do that to save yourself some money, all that sort of stuff. You get what I'm trying to say. Anyway, ICRPG is um, a really cool system that I like a lot. Um, I, I like it more and more every time I run it um, based on the uh, flexibility of its kind of core mechanics to allow for a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that's really cool about ICRPG is that um, Hank himself has talked a lot about and talks a lot about in the book, this idea of the kind of DIY spirit, the idea that, you know, make this game your own, do what you want with it, turn it into your particular game that you want to play. Um, and so what I am uh, getting at is that I have uh, started working on um, producing a document that is essentially how a bunch of work examples for that, uh, a bunch of kind of, you know, instead of saying do it yourself, this is a, a way that a, an ICRPG GM, especially me myself, but also hopefully anybody else who wants to tinker with ICRPG could go, you know, okay, if I want to, you know, uh, tinker with things this way, what's a, a good way to do that? And that hopefully they could, you know, look at my document and say, oh, well, I could do this and this, I could use, you know, this rule that's described here and all of that sort of stuff. And that basically, um, the idea is to bring a lot of um, subsystems from games, subsystems or mechanisms from other games that I like into ICRPG in a way that lets um, whoever is running the game um, or, or the, the, I should say, lets the whole group um, often, you know, things like alternate rules and house rules are um, the purview of the GM, but I really am trying to emphasize the idea that um, the, the point of this uh, project is to make it so that the, uh, the, the system can be changed to reflect what everybody wants, everybody at the table wants, not necessarily just what the GM wants, um, which is not a, I, I don't think there are many GMs who are out there you know, coming up with house rules just to screw over their players. But I'm, I'm trying to be um, clear about that um, distinction on some level that goes back to the, uh, the, the part of what I was talking about in the previous episode. Anyway, um, so what I'm doing right now in terms of design is basically um, I've got a, a number of different kind of subsystems that I've come up with. So for instance, one of them is um, that you could split up the wisdom attribute in ICRPG because ICRPG uses the, the sort of standard six attributes, right? Strength, dexterity, um, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, that one of the things that I sometimes like to do, or one of the, the kind of things that I appreciate a lot in certain games is the way that, for instance, uh, uh, Low Fantasy Gaming by Pickpocket Press, um, Steve Grodzicki is the, the guy behind Pickpocket Press, and Steve is a really great guy. Um, I really like one of the changes that Low Fantasy Gaming made to that sort of core set of six, which is to split wisdom into willpower and perception, um, those being sort of the main two things that wisdom is used for in a lot of modern games, and um, basically make it so that you could have a character who is perceptive 
but doesn't have very, a very strong will or the other way around, as opposed to in certain versions of, uh, for instance, especially in like D&D, where, you know, the cleric is the one who always notices stuff because they're the most perceptive. And um, that that seems sometimes a little silly to me. And I like that split. So that's one of the things that I'm writing up is basically like, you know, here's an idea if you want um, if you want to separate um, those two concepts, here's an easy way to do it. Just add another stat, basically change wisdom to willpower and add a perception stat and therefore have seven core stats instead of six um, that you could use for your game. Um, and it's all basically stuff like that. Most of it is relatively small changes that I think can sort of tweak the game to um, however you however the the people at the table want it to be played or run um, and there's some there's some more significant changes that I'm likely to get into um, and then there's also I one of the things that I want to do is make sure that every discussed potential change also has a little section that is sort of about um, how I think that change is going to affect gameplay, kind of why you might want to make that change and why you wouldn't want to make that change. Um, and so that it's easy for somebody. And then I would really also like to have sort of a, a, a kind of, not quite an index, but like a, um, a, a kind of cheat sheet, if that makes sense, that basically says like, hey, if this is the sort of thing that you're looking for, this is the alternate rule that you should look at. Um, so that I can say like, you know, Hey, if you, you know, if you want this thing, just go to this page and look at it. That's, that's sort of in the future. Once the document is long enough to actually need a guide to the document's contents basically. Um, but that's sort of the big design thing I'm working on. I've, I've got a couple of sort of smaller design ideas that I'm working on, um, that, uh, relate more to kind of um, module con concepts, I guess. Um, and this ties in to my kind of the other side, which is um, uh, planning games, basically. So uh, we'll talk about that now, which is just to say that I have a, uh, a growing list of essentially ideas for games that I would like to run. Um, I might also put together a list of ideas for games that I would like to play because um, I think that would be an interesting thing to um, write down, even if nothing else, just to um, share that with some of my friends and talk about some of the, the things that, I, that make me excited as a player so that we can have that discussion. But, but specifically, the, the sort of uh, brunt of the work is related to planning games that I would like to run. Um, and there are a couple of different um, ideas for campaigns that I am thinking about, um, and I think I will talk about them now. So the the first one is the animated series adventure concept. Um, animated series adventures is just what I called this idea, um, basically to create to run a campaign that is designed to have capture the feel of um, certain kind of animated TV shows that I really like. Um, 
particularly Batman, the animated series. That's, that's one that I really love. Um, I, I, I really like Batman, the animated series, um, and the kind of extended universe based on it. So, you know, like Batman beyond and the, the justice league show and justice league unlimited and all that sort of stuff. I really like those, uh, shows. Um, and then there's a number of other things, you know, obviously there was a, you know, the Transformers cartoons and GI Joe and, um, you know, He-Man and Thunder the Barbarian and all these stuff, some of which I have seen, some of which I haven't, um, or the, some of it that I've seen some of, or some of it that I am interested in sort of a certain version of it. That is especially true for something like um, one of the shows that I watched recently was Invincible, which is on um, Amazon Prime and is an animated show that is not for children, but is about uh, kind of superheroes and people with superpowers and all that sort of stuff. Um, anybody who is familiar with the the comic will know that it's definitely not for children because it's, it's based on a, a graphic novel comic series. Um, but um, I was not aware of that until I first started watching it and was like, man, this is really good. And then it's particularly right at the end of the first episode, there's a really violent sequence that I was like, holy shit, that is really violent. And um, there's a part of me that is kind of interested in um, doing something, uh, maybe a little like that, maybe more like Batman the Animated Series, basically to kind of capture the logic of uh, more Western animation that is the sort of stuff that I'm more familiar with. I, I have not watched very much anime. I've watched a little bit. Um, and uh, to be honest, did not uh, find too much of it to my taste of what I've watched. Um, so my, my kind of um, direction for this kind of animated series adventures concept is more related to Western animation than uh, anime. But um, anyway, that's sort of one of the things that I'm thinking about. And I've got a couple of different ideas for things that could be used for something like that. And I would, would need to kind of, and I need to kind of get more specific about what it is that I want before I think I do too much designing for it. Because obviously, if, uh, you know, the difference between a campaign that's expected to be sort of, you know, based on PG rated TV shows versus a campaign that's expected to be based on something like Invincible, where there is some uh, pretty extreme depictions of violence at the very least, and some some pretty um, rough uh, content in terms of the sort of themes that it gets into and the um, the the kind of issues that the characters face at different times um, is a little different, right? So I, I need to kind of think about what I actually want from that concept. But right now I'm just sort of sort of letting it letting it simmer, um, letting it uh, hang out in the brain for a little while while I work on other things in the hopes that when I come back to it, it'll have some other stuff. Um, another, thing that I would I'm interested in is something related to or sort of inspired by Dark Souls or the the kind of Souls um, 
game series. So for those of you who don't know, I talked about this some in my last episode, but there's a, a company called From Software that has made a number of these games. Um, the ones that I'm familiar with are Demon's Souls and then Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, and then also Bloodborne and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Um, and I think that's all of the ones that from, and then Elden Ring is coming out fairly soon within like a month or two. And that's sort of, apparently that has a number of kind of stylistic similarities to all of those games. And then there are a couple of other companies that have made games that um, seem to take some inspiration from uh, those from software games. But there, there are a number of things that are, I think, really cool about those video games. Um, and I think it would be really interesting to do kind of an RPG campaign that utilizes some of the kind of um, some of the the sort of um, recurring uh, motifs from the the Dark Souls series, some of maybe even the mechanics from the Dark Souls series, some of the sort of storytelling style from Dark Souls, all of these kind of different elements that uh, are, you know, things that I really love from Dark Souls. And basically what I'm thinking about is, and this relates back to my um, discussion about a, a project that's about adapting non-RPG content to RPGs is, you know, this clearly very related because I'm trying to think about, you know, how to take the stuff that I like from Dark Souls and put it into an RPG in a way that is fun for everybody playing and all of that sort of stuff. And so I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that concept currently, um, trying to uh, figure that out for myself. And then there are, are one or two other, more than one or two other actually, but I'm, I'm going to limit myself to one or two others, um, other games that I'm thinking about. Um, one of them, and they're sort of all, there's kind of a, a related constellation of things. Um, the two big ones are um, the concept of archaeology in RPGs and this kind of um, Robin Hood idea in RPGs. Um, the concept of archaeology in RPGs being essentially a, um, I want to run a, at least a one shot, maybe something longer than that, that really has to do with um, the the way that archaeology works in the real world. Um, not what I'm saying is I, I don't want to run just like a, an Indiana Jones adventure. Not that I don't like Indiana Jones. I love Indiana Jones, but I really want to run at least an adventure of an RPG that is um, really tied to and inspired by the kind of real world nature of archaeology as a professional practice. And um, I think that would be really interesting. And then the other one has to do with um, Robin Hood, which I did an episode a while ago. Certainly, I, I'm pretty sure over a year ago, maybe even longer, um, about different systems that I had found that could be used for Robin Hood style adventures. Um, and I'm interested in exploring some more um, ideas related to that concept. I'm not entirely sure precisely what it is that I want from a Robin Hood game. And that's part of the, the difficulty for me is that there are sort of a number, there's kind of a number of different pieces about that that I'm interested in. And I'm not sure 
um, what could be cut versus what couldn't be cut and still preserve my interest. Because um, I think it would be interesting to have an RPG campaign that is kind of explicitly set up with the characters as um, if not kind of complete outlaws, at least characters on the wrong side of the law, but who kind of have a, that heart of gold element, right? Steal from the rich, give to the poor, that sort of thing. And there are a number of games that do that. Um, and that I think there's some interesting stuff that could be done with that. But then there's also an element, like one of the things that attracts me about kind of Robin Hood-ness, for lack of a better term, has to do with things like the the sort of swashbuckling nature of a number of the Robin Hood adaptations, right? Especially when you talk about like Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, that it has this kind of wonderful kind of over the top um, acrobatic element to being Robin Hood that I think is really cool. Um, and also things like um, forests. I, I, I don't know why it is, but there's something about the idea of kind of the, the forest as um, as terrain, as environment, as as backdrop to adventure that is uh, really interesting to me, something that I, I think is neat, um, that I, I like a lot, um, perhaps even with a, a sort of level of enchantment to it, right? A sort of semi-enchanted forest, a, a forest where things are a little bit different than in the civilized world, maybe with like a little bit of kind of fairy magic or something. I don't entirely know, but that's something that interests me a lot. And, and, and tying in with forests is this kind of split between kind of wilderness and civilization in the, uh, the Robin Hood stories, the way that kind of Robin and his men, you know, live in the wilderness, but traverse that boundary regularly right that they go into nottingham or wherever to uh go on hijinks but they come home to the wilderness which is not where anybody else's home is everybody else is at home in civilization and that's something that's interesting to me too so i'm gonna have to think more about what exactly i want to do with kind of robin hoodness in a game and um, maybe even experiment with it a little bit. It may be that I am uh, unable to kind of identify exactly what I want from Robin Hood Ness and that what I need to do is uh, run a game or two um, with sort of different versions of Robin Hood and, uh, you know, analyzing the aftermath, whether or not that worked for me. So I don't know. But that's that's sort of the big stuff that I'm thinking about right now. Um, like I said, there are a couple others. I've always got kind of, game ideas in the back of my head um, that I don't necessarily, that don't necessarily turn into anything, but that are kind of fun to bounce around with. Um, so anyway, that's sort of the, the big stuff is designing content for ICRPG, um, especially, particularly um, not necessarily designing kind of um, ex novo for ICRPG, but kind of to, to practice my design skills by adapting stuff that other people have designed into ICRPG. Um, and then also these these kind of different games, the the animated series game and the Dark Soulsy game and the archaeological game and the Robin Hood game and maybe a couple of other things. Um, we'll see. But anyway, that's sort of um, the the projects that I am thinking about. Um, so between this episode and the last episode, you should have a pretty good idea of a lot of these different projects that I am uh, going to be working on 
in the near future. So uh, yeah, I, I think we are ready for the outro. So let's get into that. All right, that's the end of this episode. I hope that everybody has enjoyed. Um, big thanks to all of my callers. Um, Jason Connerly, Amy Lee Rodriguez, Carl Rodriguez, um, and Taylor, who goes by Clerics Wear Ringmail. Um, it was great to hear from all of you. Really enjoyed, um, really enjoy hearing from all of you, and it was great. Um, obviously one of the things that is cool about anchor podcasting is the way that, um, listeners can, um, essentially provide things to talk about with their calls, which is, I think exactly what happened here that, uh, I had a number of things to say in response to the calls that I got. Um, and, uh, therefore they were uh, instrumental in providing you with stuff to talk about. Um, so if you want to leave a call in, there should be a link in the description of the episode, wherever it is that you listen to it. Um, you can also go specifically to my anchor homepage, which is anchor.fm slash Pelham's wasteland with no apostrophe. Um, and uh, that will take you directly to my, um, that'll be, take you to the, 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 the anchor page on my, uh, for my podcast. And there's a big button that says message right up near the top. And you just click on that and leave an audio message. If you would like to get in contact with me a different way, I have a Twitter account, which is where you can uh, tweet at me. I also am on a number of Discord servers, and you can hit me up on those. Um, I also have the YouTube channel, and you can leave a comment on the YouTube channel if you would like to do that. Um, so yeah, all sorts of ways to get in contact with me. I would love to hear from you. You specifically, listener, I would love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed the callers um, and all the things they had to say. Um, I hope you guys are excited for a new chapter in the uh, the sort of general Live from Pelham's Wasteland project. Um, I think it's going to be really cool. I think there's going to be a lot of um, really cool stuff coming to both the podcast and the YouTube channel. And um, in, in particular, I think it's going to be really good for me to work on those sorts of projects um, rather than just kind of uh, spin my wheels to some degree with regard to um, the YouTube channel and the podcast. Um which is something that I, that's part of the reason I'm looking forward to all of this. Um, and uh, you guys will get out of it some cool content, hopefully. Hopefully it's worth uh, listening to. Um, and if it's not, you can uh, leave a voice message and let me know that. Um, anyway, I think that's pretty much everything. I hope everybody is doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, um, having fun, playing lots of games if possible. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that. So I will talk to you guys soon. Um, I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>